Life Audio. So a part of this naming the hurt is super important because it allows you to stop pretending or minimizing what happened. It's one thing to, again, be general. I was hurt. I was betrayed. I was let down. It's another thing to say, this is the hurt. Let me ask you a question. How connected are you and your marriage or relationship? Does it sometimes feel that there's something standing in the way of the true intimacy you desire? The first step to reconnection is to measure how far you're disconnected. That's why I've created a free tool to help you check your connection. This short two-minute quiz will assess how present and connected you are and how to deepen your intimacy. Take the quiz at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. That's D-A-N-A-C-H-E dot com forward slash partner quiz. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Hey, hey, friends, it's Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. We are here on episode 150. I cannot believe we are 150 episodes in. I honestly never thought that I would see this day, not because I thought I was going to quit the podcast, but 150 episodes. You guys realize that that's 150 weeks that we have been doing this podcast, almost three years, and I have loved every single bit of it. So as you heard in the promo, I want to make sure that you have taken our partner quiz. If you have not already taken that, then you need to make sure that you head on over to danashay.com forward slash partner quiz, because that is going to help you to see how connected you truly are in your relationships. I know that some of you are going to be quite surprised by your quiz results. And I don't know about you, but I love a good quiz. I love taking quizzes. I love assessments. I love the learning. I love the whole thing. So it's a fun, easy quiz. You're going to learn a lot about yourself and your relationship. So be sure to take care of that at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. All right. Well, if you were here last week, you know that we talked about part one of our Forgiving What You Can't Forget episode, and we are here in part two, and we're going to talk about this uh, fourfold path to forgiveness. We started talking about this last week. I am taking these references out of Desmond and Umfo Tutu's book called The Book on Forgiving. It's an incredible book, so well-written. It's like when I read this book, it was almost like I don't know how to describe it other than it was like a really kind, sweet, older gentleman, uncle, grandpa, that kind of person who was just like loving you through his words. Like that's the best way that I can describe it. It's such a compassionate, gentle book, but powerful truths in this book. So we're going to continue on today. If you were here with us last week, then you heard me talking about how important it is that you tell your story, that you tell what happened. We can't truly forgive anyone if we're not going to first acknowledge what happened. So if you haven't listened to that episode, pause this one, go back and listen to episode 149 because they're going to build on each other. 
Now, some of y'all have not paused this, even though you haven't listened to episode 149. That's okay. That's all right. Just keep on listening and then go back. How about that? Go back after you listen to this episode and be sure to listen to episode 149 because this is a... um, this is their building blocks. Okay. I don't want you to learn steps two, three, four when you haven't actually learned step one. So step one is tell your story. All right. So we are going to not review that again. I spent a good amount of time talking about telling your story in the previous episode, episode 149. So go back and listen to that. If you need to, we're going to start right out the gate with step number two, and this is naming the hurt. It's one thing for you to tell the story. This thing happened to me. My husband was unfaithful. My wife depleted our bank account. Whatever the situation is, right? But it's another thing for you to then name the hurt, for you to actually get real, real about what was lost. What did you lose when that thing happened? Get real specific about that. If you were listening last week, I told you guys that I started therapy, learning how to deal with grief. I've had quite a few things happen in my life that have caused me grief, and I've just kind of moved on. Now, that's not to say that like I haven't grieved at all, but if I'm honest, I probably skip some steps because I don't like to feel sad. I don't like feeling sorrow. I don't like to think about loss. I'm like a glass is always full. There's always opportunities. I live in a very abundance-minded world. So to really be honest and real with myself about, whoa, like, yeah, I lost something there. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of honesty. It takes a lot of vulnerability to just sit with that and to realize that some of the things that you lost, you can never get back. Like, that's a sobering thought. If you were, God forbid, sexually assaulted as a child, you lost your innocence. And you won't be able to get that back. Now, that does not mean that you're damaged goods. It doesn't mean that your life is over and you're somehow always going to be walking around with a scarlet A on your forehead. Absolutely not. But it does mean that you have to acknowledge that something was lost. So a part of this naming the hurt is super important because it allows you to stop pretending or minimizing what happened. It's one thing to, again, be general. I was hurt. I was betrayed. I was let down. It's another thing to say, this is the hurt. I lost my confidence. I lost my security. I lost the closeness that I felt with that person. I lost my safety. I lost my um, my savings, whatever it might be. Whatever was lost, it's important that you're able to name that. And not just the tangible things, but the non-tangibles. That's super important that we're able to do that. Be specific about what it is that you lost. There's another book, and I'll link to this in the show notes of this podcast. It's called Good Grief. And the author's name is Grunger, Ganger, Grunger, something like that. I read this book back in 2008 after my best friend passed away from breast cancer. 
And I've talked about this before on the show. I've told you just now that I'm not the greatest at dealing with grief. So I had to start seeing a grief counselor because I could not move on. Now, obviously, you're dealing with a very significant loss. Like people expect you to grieve for a while, right? But this was different. This was like, it wasn't like I was in denial. I knew that she had died, but like it really, really affected me in ways that I did not know what to do with. And so I started seeing a grief counselor and that was one of the best decisions that I ever did because I think had I not started seeing that grief counselor, I probably would have just masked it under some religious jargon. Like, oh, she's in glory, bless the Lord. And that's not what we need to do when we are going through loss and pain, you all. We don't need to mask it in some religious ideology. So this book that I was given called Good Grief, which I probably need to go and brush up on a little bit, but it talks about these different stages of grief. And if you've done any sort of counseling or therapy in the past, or you, or maybe you yourself, you've gone through a grief counselor, you know that many different um, counselors and, and professionals will have different stages of grief. Some people say there are five stages, some people say 12, seven, whatever. The, the number isn't necessarily important. What's important is that you understand that there are various stages of grief and they are not cyclical. They're not linear, put it that way. It's not like you first go through denial and then you go through anger and then you go through sorrow and then you go through acceptance. It's not like that. Somebody might go through anger first and then denial and then they'll go through sorrow and then they'll go through depression and then they'll go through acceptance. Somebody else might go through acceptance and they're like, nope, I don't accept it. I'm actually now in denial. And then I'm in anger. So it's, it's, it's dependent upon the person. It's different for everybody. But in this book, Good Grief, it talks about how denial is one of the stages of grief. And we all know that, right? Like if you've ever gone through something super, super painful, what will happen is your mind, your emotions, your, your heart, your soul, if you will, will try to protect you from literally losing it. So your brain will tell you that didn't happen. And I think that this is God's protection as long as it is very short-lived. Like there is a, I love the show, This Is Us. Do y'all remember that show? It's gone off the air now. But I loved, loved, loved that show. And I remember, I don't know, I think it was like episode uh, season three when we finally found out like how Jack died, right? And so Rebecca, Jack's wife, is in the hospital and she's at a vending machine. And so they're in the hospital. Let me set the story up because some of y'all are like, this is us. What show is that? If you know This Is Us, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've never heard of the show, I think it's on Netflix or somewhere. It is such a great show. So Jack, who's the main character in this um, this um, TV show, he dies in a fire. Well, he doesn't die in the fire. He dies because of smoke inhalation. And he had a, uh, like, I think he had a heart attack. Yeah, he had a heart attack after the fire. And so he dies in the hospital. Well, Rebecca, his wife, is at a vending machine and she gets a Snickers out, I think. And so when she gets the Snickers out, the doctor comes to her and says, Miss Pearson, I have some really bad news for you. Jack died. And she looks at the doctor and she stares at him. And then she takes a bite of her candy bar and she says, huh. And she keeps eating her candy bar. Now, if you've ever gone through grief, you know exactly what happened there. That was denial to protect her from jumping off a bridge somewhere. 
sometimes you all, we go through things in our life and denial is the first thing that we feel and denial is okay so long as it is short-lived. Now, if she would have stayed in denial for six years, that would be a problem. Some of you are in denial right now because you haven't told the story and you haven't named the hurt. But when you name the hurt, that helps you to get out of denial because now you're facing the truth about not only what happened, but then also about what was lost. All right, the next step after you've told the story, you've named the hurt, number three is granting forgiveness. Now, I say this a lot, and I'm going to say it today, that forgiveness is both a choice and a process. You are not always going to feel like forgiving. And forgiveness is not just something as easy as just like, I forgive you, okay, let's move on. It starts off as a choice, but then you have to work it out as a process. This fourfold, uh, uh, step, these four steps that I'm giving you today is the process or a process. So when I tell you that you need to grant forgiveness, it is a choice. You have to get to a point where you realize that when you withhold forgiveness from someone, you're truly only hurting yourself in the long run. There have been literal scientific studies that have shown what unforgiveness does on the human body. Our bodies were not meant to hold on to unforgiveness. You guys, I hope that you're not hearing feedback. I'm hearing some feedback in my line. But anyways, okay. Your body was not meant to hold on to unforgiveness. You were not created to hold that much pain, to absorb that much trauma, unhealed. So when you choose not to forgive you're choosing to stay stuck in your trauma and in your shame and in your pain. I tweeted this years ago. It's not my original tweet, but it's forgiveness is like, or holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Some of the people that we are not forgiving have gone on about their lives and they are not thinking about you at all. They're not thinking about what they did. They're not thinking about your hurt. They're not thinking about anything. They are living their best life. And you're the one stuck in the trauma. How do you get out of it? Well, you choose to forgive them. Forgiveness is also not something that they earn. Forgiveness is a gift. They don't have to ever ask you for an apology. I know that's hard to hear you all because we want that. We need that. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, you hurt me. You need to apologize. And the truth is, in a perfect world, absolutely, that would work. But not everybody's going to apologize. Maybe they don't think that what they did was wrong. Maybe they're a jerk. So maybe that person has died and they'll never be able to acknowledge what they did. They'll never be able to apologize. And this is why forgiveness is not predicated on someone asking for an apology. Forgiveness is simply a choice that you make. It's what you choose to do. I choose to forgive you even if you're unworthy, even if you never ask for my forgiveness, even if you don't think you did anything wrong. This is hard, you all. Easier said than done. I get it. I get it. 
But when you choose to forgive, you release yourself. Yeah, you release that person, but you really release yourself. You release yourself from them having to pay you back for whatever they did. Forgiveness is a gift. And I think one of the things that really helps us to forgive others is realizing that we have been forgiven. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back into this because I've got more to share with you about this whole realizing that we've been forgiven. So let's listen out for a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay, we're back. When we realize that we're humans, and I know like that sounds so oversimplified, like everyone's human, but truthfully, like we have done things to others that we didn't intend to do. We have hurt other people. We have caused people pain. And sometimes we meant to, and sometimes we didn't. So when we're able to get in touch with that side of ourselves, with our humanity, then it gives us grace for other people. It gives us compassion for other people, even when they hurt us. It gives us empathy for other people. You know, I wish I could say that I've been a perfect mother and I've like parented my kids in stellar ways their whole lives, but that is not the truth. Anyone out there with kids knows you don't know what the heck you are doing with kid number one. That is a complete experimentation child, okay? So you're just like playing it by ear. You are like trying the things and the things aren't working and you try the new things and those aren't working. And thank God that you don't screw up your kid or you hopefully you don't. So I used to be a very angry mother. I used to be, and I mean like a mom, not like a mother blanker, but like I used to be just a very angry mother. And I think it was because of some unresolved trauma for sure in my life, also some current trauma that I was dealing with in my marriage, and just not having proper skills of dealing with overwhelmed uh, feelings and feeling out of control and all of those things, right? Those aren't excuses, but those are reasons that contributed to me being angry. And I was not angry all the time because like I said, I am a pretty happy-go-lucky person. You know, I'm upbeat. I'm That's my personality. But you push that button, you better watch out, okay? So I went through and thank God. And let me, I, you know, I always want to quantify this because Thank the Lord I never abused my children. I've never abused my children. I've never done anything like crazy like that. But I could yell and I could, I I just was not in a good place as a mom, okay? So I realized that I had to ask my kids to forgive me. I think that's one of the most powerful things that you can do as a parent is asking your children to forgive you. 
when I started going through some of those things as a mom, it gave me compassion and empathy for my own mother, who was a good mother, but had issues, who was not a perfect parent. And I was able to go back and be like, you know what? My mom did the best job that she could with what she had. Even if I felt like at times it wasn't good enough, even if it still caused me pain or hurt, she did the best with what she had. When I was able to forgive myself, it made it easier for me to then forgive my mother. Some of you all, we're doing this whole conversation, we're having this whole conversation about the people that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you've done something that is just so horrible and you've not forgiven yourself. It's time for you to put yourself in the forgiveness box. It's time for you to give yourself some grace, some compassion, some empathy. And that is what happens when we choose to forgive. We set ourselves free. We set the other person free. Ephesians 4, 32, one of my favorite scriptures. I learned this as a kid. It's actually a little song that we learned as a kid. But it says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sakes, has forgiven you. Think about that. Tenderhearted. When you forgive, you keep your heart tender. You see, when you choose to hold on to unforgiveness, it makes your heart hard and callous. And you wonder why you can't love. You wonder why you can't bond. You wonder why there, there's a wall up between you and other people. It's because when you hold on to unforgiveness, it hardens you. It embitters you. But when you're able to forgive, you have a tender heart. You keep your heart soft and pliable and flexible. Oh my goodness, Dana, but then people are going to hurt you again. Maybe they will. But I'd rather have a tender heart that's open to love and that's open to accepting people and living with others with all of their weaknesses, all of their flaws, all of their insecurities and mine. Versus being this hardened, tough person who's trying to protect myself from all the hurts in the world. Because guess what, friend? You can live like that all you want, and people are still going to figure out a way to hurt you. So you may as well live with a tender heart. So remember that scripture. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Because God has forgiven you. Oh, yes, he has. He has forgiven you. Now, you might not forgive you, but that doesn't mean that God's holding a grudge against you. He has forgiven you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means before you ever even asked for an apology, before you were ever even born, God has offered his forgiveness to us. Now, whether you choose to receive it or not, now that's another story. So I want you to remember that forgiveness is a choice and it's a process. But don't get stuck on the process. Make the choice today that you are going to forgive. Okay, now that brings us to our fourth and final point in this whole forgiveness process, and that is renewing or releasing the relationship. Y'all, this is an important conversation here because there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There are some relationships that are not going to be able to be reconciled. Like I said earlier, there might be people in your life who have died. You can't be reconciled with them. There might be people in your life who are completely unsafe. 
And I've had to do that with some people. You are not safe. Like, literally, I cannot be around you. You are an unsafe person. So I will offer forgiveness, but we will not have a relationship. Now, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to um, egg your house. I'm not going to uh, pray for your demise. But we will not be reconciled. And that is okay. You want to use those situations sparsely. You don't want that to be your MO for everybody. Like, yeah, I'm going to forgive all of y'all, but I ain't reconciling with none of y'all. You don't want that to be how you treat people. But the truth is there are some relationships that can be renewed. And this is what we do, right? And thrive. Like we talk about how to actually restore your relationships. But then even with that, I understand that there are going to be some relationships that are not going to be able to be restored. And it isn't because it's not a possibility, but it's because of the hardness of people's hearts. Real talk. I believe that any marriage can be saved. Any relationship has the potential to be restored if someone's heart is open. Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you were sexually abused by somebody or you were your your husband was beating on you that you need to go and be restored because every relationship can be restored. No, no, no. I said earlier that there are some relationships that aren't going to be able to be restored, but there are many relationships that can be. So how do you know the difference? How do I know if this relationship can be restored or if I need to be able to release it? Repentance. Is that person truly repentant? If you approach that person, we talked about number one, step one, telling your story. You go to that person, you tell them your story, you name the hurt, you choose to forgive them, and they don't hear you. They're like, no, mm-mm, nope, we could still be in a relationship, but you're going to have to miss me with all that other stuff. Well, guess what? That, that relationship is not viable for restoration. It can't be because you haven't repented. They haven't repented. So if you're in a relationship and that person is like, no, 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 no. Even as I said that, let me, let me take a few steps back. If your spouse has like left their dirty clothes all over the floor and you keep telling them like, I need you to stop leaving your dirty clothes over the floor. And then you're like, okay, I need to forgive them. I'm not saying don't reconcile with your spouse. Okay. I'm talking about the big things, you guys, y'all get that right. I'm talking about the big things. Okay. So some relationships you are going to have to decide, is this renewable or is this releasable? And the biggest way that you could tell is, is that person repentant? Are they willing to make repairs? If they're not willing to make repairs and if they're not repentant, well, then that leaves you with your answer. You know, I talk to couples, a lot of times women, who their husbands will not acknowledge that they're doing porn, even though the wife has all the proof. And the husband is like stone face. Nope, that's not me. Okay, well, I literally have your email address and your password right here. Nope, I don't know how that happened. Well, then what are you going to do? Like, I mean, <laughs> that person's not even willing to be honest. You come across an affair and your spouse is not willing to be honest about the affair. They're still pretending. They're still lying. They're still hiding. You're not ready to move into restoration at that point. You got to have some repentance. You got to have some, a lot of things, <laughs> repentance being step one. There's a whole process that we talk about with about affair recovery. But the first step is that that person must be repentant. That'll give you the answer that you need 
whether you need to release that relationship or whether that relationship can be renewed. So there are times that you can wipe the slate clean where you can say, okay, I have chosen to forgive. I have walked through the process of forgiveness. Now we just need to start over. We're going to wipe the slate clean. We are no longer going to keep a record of wrongs. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. That does not mean that love is, um, that love allows you to just be taken advantage of and that love never brings up wrongs. It said keeps no record meaning that you're not always throwing in the face something that your spouse or whoever did to you. So when you decide, okay, this relationship can be repaired, this relationship can be renewed, this relationship can be restored, it's time for us to wipe the slate clean, then guess what? Then you do what the Bible teaches in Philippians 3, which is now you forget what lies behind and you press forward to what lies ahead. Now, the title of this episode is Forgiving What You Can't Forget. So am I contradicting myself? No, and neither is the word of God. When it says forgetting what lies behind, God knows that we're human beings and we're not gonna technically forget, but it means that you no longer focus on that thing. That thing is in your rear view mirror. So just like you driving down the street and you see you know, some houses and some fields and some cars, and when you pass those things, those things are in your past, they're done you're probably not going to keep staring in your rearview mirror because then guess what? You'll miss everything that's in front of you. That's how healthy relationships work. Once you forgive, now it's behind you. That doesn't mean that you'll never think about it. Doesn't mean that you won't even sometimes reach back in the past to help other people with your story, like I said earlier. But what it does mean is that you're no longer harping on that thing. You're no longer focusing on it. It's not tripping you up anymore. You're choosing to let the past be the past. And you're choosing to press ahead to what lies ahead and to the future. And if you're not able to do that, then that relationship is not going to be restored or repaired. You might think it is because you've chosen to stay in the relationship. But I know many people who are in relationships, those relationships have not been repaired, renewed, or restored. Those people are just roommates. They're just biding their time. They're just surviving. They're just existing. That is no way for you to live. And many of you are living like that right now and you're so used to it. You've been living like that for so long. It seems normal to you. It is not normal, nor is it the best for you. You truly can have a relationship, a marriage that is thriving, that is fruitful, that is loving, that is tender, that is compassionate, that's fun, that's romantic, that's intimate. You can have that. But you won't have that as long as you hold on to this shell of a relationship that you feel like is restored, but inside you know that it's really not because you all have not gone through this process of forgiveness. If that's you, we need to talk. I want to be able to help you to get unstuck. That is a miserable place to be, you all. And that is not a healthy relationship. That You deserve so much better than that. So that brings us to our final point here, which is forgiveness is about releasing. It's about releasing the hurt. So just like we named the hurt, now it's about releasing the hurt. Just like you confronted the person, now it's about releasing the person. Just like you had to tell your story, 
Now it's about releasing that story so that you can now tell a different story. You see, my story used to be my husband is a serial cheater and I don't trust him and I don't know if we'll ever be able to move on from this. That used to be the story that I told myself. It was true. But now my story is different. Now my story is my husband was a serial cheater and I cheated because I would always leave out that part, right? But God has used our story to bless many, many marriages so that they could know that there is truly nothing that you will go through in your marriage that God can't fix and heal so long as you're willing to do the work. And this is why we end every episode in saying that a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. You've got to put in the work. There's no magic wand fairy dust that God's like doing for some people and not for others. That's not how it works. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to go through this process of forgiveness that we've talked about, anything can work. So I hope that this episode or these last two episodes have helped you, have given you a lane to run in, have given you some things that you need to start doing, some things to think about so that you can walk in freedom. That's what forgiveness ultimately gives you, freedom. Because when you're able to release it, you're able to run. You're able to fly. You're able to be light and free in your relationships. And that is what I want for all of you. So thank you so much for listening today. Again, you can find the show notes to this episode at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 150. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and do share these two episodes with someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. Love you guys so much. I will see you on the next episode. Remember, a good relationship isn't one that works. A good relationship is one where what? Bam, you put in the work. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.